Well, good morning and welcome to Water and Stone. My name is Dieter Randolph and uh, we've probably met. If you're coming here for the first time though, I wanna thank you for being a part of this. I wanna invite you to go back and watch some of the videos that we have because we're in the middle of an Advent series. And the whole series is about changing your default response to the unknown, to the unexpected, to adventure as we've been calling it. Changing your default response from a response of fear into a response of hope. And that's appropriate for Christmas, but We've been finding together that it's appropriate all the time. If you can just change your reaction into one of a hopeful expectation, like a child represents around Christmas time especially, things will change for you. And if you have been watching these videos, I hope that you have found that some things have been changing for you too. It's been really neat to hear from some folks who have written in and called and texted and all that kind of stuff, saying what they've been working on and how it's been affecting them. And keep those messages coming. Sometimes it's hard for us to get in touch with each other, as you know, because of certain things. And so I invite you to reach out. There's lots of ways to do that, as you know, through the website and all that. I write a newsletter that goes out every Sunday and you can just hit reply to that newsletter and I'll get the message. There's lots of ways to reach out and I encourage you to do that. Now, I also want to give you a little bit of homework. If you have been watching these videos, this is going to come as no surprise. I'm going to mention it now and if I remember, I'm going to mention it at the end of the service too, but now is the time because this project is for next week and so we kind of need to get that in. What I have been asking people to do is send in a picture or several pictures if you want, send in some pictures of your light. Now, different people have asked me, what does that mean? And I'll, I want it to be as generic as I can because I want it to speak to you. What do you think of when I say, send me a picture of your light? That's probably the right answer right there. But to give you some examples, some people have sent in a picture of them lighting Christmas candles or of them turning on their Christmas tree lights or the lights outside their house. These are all popular ideas. What's your light? Some people say, well, I don't feel like I want to be in the picture and that's fine. I get it. Uh, not a lot of us have been to the hairdresser during quarantine and all that. First of all, this is a safe place and I encourage you to send in your picture because that's better. But if you don't want to be in the picture, just take a picture of your candles, of your tree, of your Christmas lights, of whatever your light means to you. What's your pride and joy? Maybe that's a thing to send in. But I want you to do that because a lot of us are feeling kind of isolated for obvious reasons and it's a great way for everyone to feel like they're a part of a family. Some people have discovered water and stone who never set foot in our physical building when we had a physical building that we were in before the uh, quarantine and all that. It's okay if you don't know anybody else. This is how we get to know each other. So once again, send me a picture of your light. You can do that by going to waterandstonechurch.com. Uh, you can send it to info at waterandstonechurch.com. Text me, call me. We'll figure out how, how you can get that picture to me. But now's the time. Don't wait. Do it sooner rather than later because we need this for next week. And we're going to get into Christmas and other stuff is going to take precedence. So once again, do it today. Enough? Enough. <laughs> Let's begin with our opening prayer. God is and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now there is truth. Right here and right now there is freedom. Right here and right now there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. 
From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. And so it is. Amen. Now, our scripture today, it's Christmas time, as you know, so these will be familiar pieces of scripture. And this is from Luke chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Now, you know this story. You know who, who the her is and all of that. You know who the baby is even before the angel gave the name and, and all of that. This is a story that you know. And it's easy, I guess, to, to feel like, okay, well, this is it, right? This is the, the beginning of Christmas. This is that Instagrammable moment where we have the beginning of Christmas. You can pinpoint it. You can grab it with the tweezers. This is the beginning of it. But we're learning something about beginnings. You and me, my friend, are part of a universe of infinity, a line that has no beginning and no end in space or in time. That's a pretty heavy thing to think about, right? But part of what that means is we say a lot that nothing ever ends. You remember from high school uh, science class or whatever that energy is never created or destroyed. It just changes form that nothing ever really ends. And that's a great thing to remember. But one of the things that we don't talk about a lot is it also means that nothing ever begins. It's interesting. There's never a moment where you can say, that's the start. Everything owes its existence to a chain of events and situations and circumstances and wonderful miracles that have happened to have that happening happen, you know? And even in the story of of the birth of Jesus Christ, think about the genealogy we know. Think about the way that things have led up to this moment. This is not page one of the Bible, for instance, right? There's a lot that has led up to this. And I tell you that because I want to set the stage for the story, but I also tell you that because it's really easy right now in the middle of the quarantine and Maybe even without the quarantine, it was easy. But one way or the other, it's tempting, let's say, convenient, to get into a frame of mind where we say, you know what, I just can't wait for this thing to to begin when I finally get the lottery ticket, when, man, when I reach a certain age, when I get to retire, when I get the job, when the thing happens, when I cross the finish line, when someone says safe to me, man, that's when things are really going to be good. And it's so easy to get that way that we miss some pretty great things that are going on right now, right? We've talked about this. But it bears repetition because here we are waiting for the day when we get to unwrap our presents, so to speak. It, it kind of reminds us. I want you to know that it's great to look forward to that magical moment when your ship comes in and all of that. It's great. I, I don't want to take hope away. We're here for hope. But I want you to remember with me that Your life is a never-ending stream of miracles, big and small, that have led you to this right now moment, this omega point. Think about all of the things that have had to transpire to get you to where you are. And yeah, you know what? Some of the things you might want to forget. I get it. But a lot of those things 
are worth remembering, are worth singing about. Your life is a never-ending stream of miracles. Nothing ever just begins. It's always part of something else. And so even with those sad moments, I want you to go, wait a minute, that was part of my journey too. If Jesus can be born in a manger, maybe it's okay that some of my beginnings have been humble, let's say. Let yourself off the hook a little bit. But that's a side lesson, really, because the, the, the story of this interaction between Mary and the angel is one that I've told before and before and before. Well, nothing ever begins, right? Because in some ways, it's my favorite part of the story. I mean, there's a lot of favorite parts, I guess, but this is the one that has always stuck out for me, so it's the thing that I always find time to talk about. I think that part of it is that I think people just gloss over the Mary part, and here's the baby, and here's the three wise men, and all that, and that's great. It's important, of course, magical. But we talked about that last week. We kind of got it in a funny order, but there's a reason for that. I think it's easy to just forget that Mary's a part of this. And I think it's easy to forget that without this moment, this little interaction where the angel says to Mary, you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a baby. Here's his name. It's going to change everything in the whole world. None of this would happen without what Mary says next. Now, depending on your Bible uh, translation, it, it appears differently. But the gist of it is that Mary says, here I am, Lord. I'm in. And with that magical, heroic, courageous moment, the whole thing gets going again. You know, this is the the important moment in a lot of ways. Not the beginning, as we said, but an important juncture, right? And I've talked about that many times when I talk about Christmas. It's a thing that comes up for me, that idea of here I am, Lord, and I want us to be here I am, Lord kind of people. I want us to take a little bit of of an example from Mary and find some courage. I think life calls for a little bit more courage than, than people tend to show it, that kind of a thing. I think it's really important. So I talk about that here I amness a lot. Think about what you might say to the angel when the angel says, I've got big things going on here. A lot of people would say, I can't do it can't make it. I'm busy. I got a thing, you know? But like I said, we've talked about that. But I think one of the things that I haven't talked about enough, and one of the things that gets missed a lot, is that this is not just a story about Mary going, yeah, okay, and it ends there. I think it's easy to assume that. That she did her thing, she said, okay, and now we can change scenes, and the director says, cut, and we move on to film some other part of this. She's done, right? Now, you know she's not done. And in fact, man, it's, it's, it's an amazing missing of the point to assume that carrying a baby and giving birth to a baby and raising a baby is anything like passive. Ooh, it's even a little bit sexist when you think about it. Ooh, I don't want to go in that territory. Do you? In this day and age? Come on, let's, let's grow a little bit, right? Let's get over the idea that somehow the Mary paradigm, the Mary archetype is someone who is passive. A lot of times when people paint that picture of Mary, it's just kind of a, a big guilt trip that you're supposed to kind of feel bad because she's had a hard time. But if you think about the courage that it took just to say, here I am, but also the courage that it took to to have a baby without 
the guy you're with being the dad in that day and age, that's a thing. Think about it. It could have meant her death, you know? And not just that, but just the sheer courage of, of giving birth, the courage of raising a baby. And even if you're not in a position to give biological birth to an organism, you know what it is to raise something. Right? This is an act not just of passivity, not just of it being okay with you, but moving past this is okay with me and into action. And that's what we're here to talk about today, is if you're going to get to this place, if you're going to flip that switch from fear into hope and have your whole life change as a result, it requires action. Now, previously, we talked about the idea that one of the things we have to do to flip that switch is to get to the place where we recognize that a change has to be made, that vision idea, that thing of, of saying, okay, this has got to be better than it is. That's an important thing. That's where hope begins. And then we talked about the idea of having hope be okay with you. That idea of the three wise men that we talked about last week. Wisdom comes from acceptance, saying healing is okay with me. It is okay with me that this baby be, mo be born in a manger. It's okay with me that that's Jesus, right? Hope has to do with vision and it has to do with acceptance, but that ain't all of it. This week, we're going to talk about the idea that hope has to do with action. Look, you got this. You know about this already. You know that, that it's not enough to go, wow, I need to lose some weight as you're eating a candy bar. It's not even enough to go, you know what, health would be okay with me. I'd like to get in shape. I know that I would feel better, and you know what, I deserve that. That's great, but that ain't enough. At some point, you're going to have to start doing push-ups, <laughs> you know? And one of the things that, that I'd like you to write down if you're the kind of person that writes things down during these is, everything is like everything. I know that sounds cryptic, but it's something I say a lot because it's true. If it's true in one place in the universe, it's probably true in the rest of the universe. And if it applies to getting in shape, that it's got to be something you see, something you accept, and something you act on, right? Everything's like that. Your spirituality is like that too. And that's a big deal because I think a lot of the time we have this idea that that spirituality means holding still. That, our, that our, our concept has to do with just sitting still and letting things just kind of wash over us. That that is somehow what spiritual people do. They sit in a lotus position on a mountaintop somewhere and, and things are just okay with them. It's great, but you know, I got bills to pay. I got stuff to do. You can't fall in love like that. You can't have things happen. You can't write the great American novel. You can't get the promotion. You can't have your life work if all you're doing is, is oming. There's more, right? And I want to be very careful about that. There's a time and a place for that. But at the end of the day, there's also a time to come home. There's a time to go off in the wilderness like our heroes do. But there's a time to come home and do something about it. Go clean up the town, you know, something. Go fix something, heal something, teach something, learn something. Go do a thing, as I always say. And it bears saying again, because there's a lot of times when I've heard people say, you know, if you were really spiritual, you'd let me continue to be a jerk. 
Maybe they say it differently, but you know exactly what I mean. You know, if we were just more spiritual, we would let oppressors continue to oppress. If we were just more spiritual, we'd let selfish people continue to be selfish. If we were just more spiritual, we'd let bullies be bullies. Is that spiritual? Is that the model of spirituality that we see in Moses or in Jesus or in anybody? And so I talked about acceptance last week, and I, I want to take a minute to touch on the idea that acceptance might not mean what we think it means. Acceptance is different than codependence. And if somebody says that spirituality means letting you off the hook, you're being had. It's as simple as that. I remember uh, I served at a church a long time ago. And uh, I was, you know, associate, assistant, whatever. I can't remember the title, but, you know, one of the, I was not the boss. Let's put it that way. And the founder of that church, who had retired, but still hung around from time to time, the founder of that church was someone who studied with Charles Fillmore, you know, the co-founder of the Unity Movement, the big guy. She studied with him. And when she was young, she went out there. It's called Unity Village now, but at the time it was called Unity Farm. And people would travel from all over to go to Unity Farm, and they grew food, and it was kind of a hippy-dippy kind of a thing in a funny kind of way. It was wonderful, you know, that idea. And uh, she made that pilgrimage, and it took some doing. You couldn't get on the Concord at that point. And uh, she got there to Unity Village, and there's that moment. She, I love it when she told me the story. She said, you know, we, we all kind of assumed there would be this kind of a magical thing, and there'd be this guru on the top of a long flight of steps or something, you know. And uh, there was Mr. Fillmore, because everybody called him Mr. Fillmore. There was Mr. Fillmore with his sleeves rolled up doing work on the farm. And she said, Mr. Fillmore, I'm so happy to see you. And there was a bunch of people who all arrived at the same time. And he's like, yeah, it's great to see you too. We got a lot of stuff to talk about and a lot of stuff to learn. But right now I need somebody to churn butter and I need somebody to help with the chickens. And I love that. Because there's something to do. And in our own little way here at Water and Stone, I love the idea that, that we would do a service project once a month, and we'll get back to that when the time is right, but we would go work at a soup kitchen or a, or a shelter or a, you know, a food bank or a whatever because it was important to go do a thing, go build a house for Habitat for Humanity, go do a thing. And I even like the fact that because we didn't have our own building, every single Sunday was like a barn raising. You know, we'd have people setting up the sound equipment and the lights and taking down and putting a rug and fixing chairs and you name it. It was work every Sunday. And there are things that are rough about that. I think we all got a little bit worn out. And so in a funny way, maybe the quarantine with all of the terrible things about it, maybe that was a little bit of a blessing as we got to take a minute. But I love the fact that there was work involved. Because I think that spirituality involves work. That's another thing to write down. Spirituality involves work. If somebody tells you that the religious thing they're trying to sell you, and they are trying to sell you, believe me, that the religious thing they're trying to sell you means that you don't have to change, and you can stay exactly where you are. And in fact, if you just come to this place, you'll know more than everybody else, and you know, secretly, you're better than them. And you know, don't worry about it too much, and you don't have to do anything. You're being had. It's a con. Because spirituality always involves growth. It always involves change. It always involves action. You know, we're going to get to this place where we have to decide, like every hero has to decide, between a convenient truth and a real truth. You know the difference. And in fact, 
that thing that's convenient might not be the truth at all. Sometimes you got to speak up about a thing. Look, this happens in big ways and in small ways. You got a friend with spinach in their teeth? Do you tell them or not? What does a friend do? <laughs> it's a small example, but you know exactly what I mean. If you don't like that person, if you don't care, if you don't have any skin in the game, you might let them go with the spinach because I don't want to bring it up. It's work to tell them, and I'll just let them believe a thing that's not really true. Or you take the awkward minute, the inconvenient thing, and you tell them the truth. Put it the other way. Would you want somebody to tell you if you had something in your teeth? I would, wouldn't you? Even if it's awkward, even if it's weird, because it makes the pain go away, you know? It makes the awkwardness go away if you just face it. Well, guess what, boys and girls? Everything is like everything. And you get to decide if you're going to walk the path of being lied to because it's convenient and easy and comfortable, or if you're going to face something that you need to face because that's what heroes do. What do you want to do? Hero or bystander? That's the choice. And you and I, as we come into this, are going to decide to do this differently. Look, we've learned the Christmas message because we've seen it so often in so many Rankin-Bass specials and Hallmark Channel movies and everything else, that at some point we grow past the idea that Christmas is about the presence the physical things that we get and we spend money on and all of that. Christmas isn't about those things. You know that. Think about all the movies you've seen. What we learn as we grow up spiritually is that Christmas is about the presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E -E. Christmas is not about the thing. It's about the being. About the presence, not the presence, you know? Christmas is about what you show up for in your life. We learn through watching those movies and, and telling those stories and sharing those moments and just looking at our own history of our own lives that the thing that matters is not whether or not you got the Red Ryder BB gun. The thing that matters is not what you get at all as you grow up. And for some people, it's time to grow up. It's not about what you get. It's about what you give, right? You know that. You've grown to that place. It's about being part of something, about a sharing, instead of about a getting or putting up a barrier or something dualistic like that. And I say that because a lot of people pray a dualistic prayer, and it's time to uh, get past it. Aren't you ready for a prayer that works? <laughs> you know, a lot of people come to me with a prayer request that involves something dualistic. A lot of people come to me with a prayer request that goes like this. Can you help me avoid this thing? You fill in the blanks. And maybe you've prayed that prayer before. I have too. It's, it's, it's one of those things. We live in a culture that encourages that, and so it's easy to start incorporating that into our spirituality. But we're going to stop doing that. But you know exactly what I mean. Can you please help me pray to avoid this thing? Whatever it is, good or bad or indifferent or uncomfortable or whatever. I don't want to experience this thing. Can you help me avoid it? Or the other prayer that I get a lot is, can you help me beat this thing? I want to prove them wrong. I want to triumph over that situation. And triumph is good. Triumph over is not so good. Triumph with is better. Right? You know what I mean. The prayer of, can you help me avoid a thing or can you help me beat a thing, ends up being the same kind of an idea. And that thing is, there's me over here and there's that bad thing over there and never the twain shall meet, right? But God is one. 
And so a prayer of duality, a prayer of more than one, is fatally flawed. If I pray a prayer of duality to a God of unity, how's that going to work? That's why those prayers don't work. They don't. Not really. Not for long. And in fact, we've learned over and over again, sometimes the easy way and sometimes the hard way, that the thing that I was trying to avoid or the thing that I was trying to beat is precisely the thing that I needed in order to grow. That thing you're running away from, it is the arbiter of your success. It's the thing that's going to make it better for you. It's the thing you've got to grow past. Maybe that's why you're avoiding it, because they're part of you that wants to stay small. It's time to grow up. And it's time to face that whatever it is. Because that is the thing that's going to help you grow. It is the arbiter of your success. We've been talking about that thrill of hope, that feeling you get when, ah, it's going to be okay. That feeling, you know, when you're part of something and you know it. And we've talked about different ways that that happens. But I think that one of the ways that we can all sort of latch on to is that feeling you get when you're a little kid and you learn a thing. Remember that feeling? Some people talk about the first time they rode a bike or the first time they tied their shoes. There's that feeling of, wow, I did it. And maybe you didn't do it great, but you did it. Maybe it took a long time, but you did it. You got there. You know that feeling? Remember that when you were little? When you could finally reach the cookie jar? (laughs) Whatever it was. That happened for me earlier today, and I'm really excited about it. But everybody's got a story about that. You know, for me, one of the things that comes up for me, one of those feelings of, wow, I really did it, that feeling of, I'm a part of this, happened, I wasn't so little, I was a young teenager, and I was really into skateboarding, and me and my buddies, we built a skateboarding ramp, and this was what historians will call later a bad idea, but we were excited about it. We'd seen lots of, we'd rented uh, videos at Blockbuster. Remember Blockbuster? We've rented videos of people skateboarding, and it looked like a thing that we could do too, and why not? And my friend's dad, he was a carpenter, so I think somehow through biology, he, he had the power to operate a saw, and we borrowed a saw from somebody. There was no adult supervision. <laughs> and we built what's called a quarter pipe. It's a quarter of a ramp, right? So the idea is you get going, and you go up this thing, and then... Well, we'll deal with what happens later, later, right? That was kind of the thinking. And so we built this thing. We used saws and power tools that we didn't even know how to operate. Is the blade in right? I don't know. You have all your fingers so far, that kind of a thing. And we built this little quarter pipe and it was rickety and it was made out of wood that maybe not so, not so good. And it just, it was scary. But we built it. And... We built it at my house, so I guess kind of it was mine, and that kind of meant I went first, which I didn't really want to do, but I did anyway, because you you don't want to be a chicken. And so I got going as fast as I could on my skateboard, and I didn't know what was going to happen, and I got to the top, and I was going really fast, and I closed my eyes for a second, and then before I knew it, I was flying, and I landed okay. Look, I'll be honest, not all the landings after that one were okay. But in that moment, there was freedom of, I, I, I did a thing. And it felt so powerful that I took that with me. And in fact, we got better at building ramps, and we built a lot of ramps in our friends' houses, and it was a thing that we did. And it was such an amazing thing that the lesson for me was, once you learn a thing, you want to share it. 
And that's what we did. And you know, I still like working with wood. I'm, I'm not awesome at it because I don't get to do it as much as I'd like. But every time I'm out in the garage with the saw and the two by fours, I remember what it was like to build that little skateboard ramp. Now, uh, that's not an earth shattering story. We didn't discover a cure for cancer by skateboarding, you know? And yes, we got hurt a few times and all of that is part of it. But the point is for me, this was a moment of, I did a thing and I learned a thing and I shared a thing. What's your story based on that? You got one, you got more than one. And as we connect all of the stories that we have like that, we begin to learn something very important. If you want to experience the thrill of hope, you're going to have to experience it like a child does because adults are bad at it. I'm sorry, they're just not great at it. They close themselves off for all kinds of reasons. They're bad at it. When you think about the way you felt when you learned a thing as a kid, one of the things that happens is you don't feel selfish. Think about it with me. A lot of times when an adult learns something, they learn it so that they can be better at their job, so they can make more money, so they can impress somebody, you know, that kind of a thing. But kids don't learn for that reason. Kids learn because I want to be big like you. It's a connection, not a separation. I want to be part of something bigger than myself. For kids, growth is a matter of connection and a matter of surrender. I'm big like you. I'm part of something bigger than me. Adults don't learn that way. But if you want to be happy, if you want to be hopeful, start to learn to learn. Just like that. Kids experience oneness and they experience surrender because kids are natural mystics. That's a funny word to say, isn't it? I think when we think of somebody mystical and a mystical experience, we think of going off to that mountaintop, making that pilgrimage, going somewhere, wearing a funny outfit, doing a funny thing. Um, doing the hokey pokey and turning yourself around and all of that kind of stuff. But that's not what it's all about. See what I did there? I think so often we have this idea that in order for it to be a mystical experience, it has to be a, a foreign experience, an experience of otherness, an experience of something far away. But that thinking that mysticism is somewhere far away is precisely the thing that's getting in the way because we want an experience, and that means a connection to it. Some people uh, pursue mysticism by reading a lot of books, and I get that, and I've got a lot of those books, and I love them too, but as long as it's an intellectual exercise, it's me, and it's the thing I'm thinking about. There's a separation there. And that's great if you want to be a tourist in a foreign land. But I am here to encourage you to go native. You want a mystical experience, you're going to have to jump in and say yes to something and do something about it. And that's the test. That's the test. People say, okay, I want to be mystical. I want to have this experience of a miracle. You tell me God's everywhere and it's a fun thing to talk about. I want to feel it. And, and in fact, I need it in my life. I need healing. I need the money. I need the experience. I need the love. I got to feel this. It's, I'm done talking about it. I'm done reading about it. I get it. I feel that way too. And so the question comes up, how do I know if this is a mystical experience versus my own ego? How do I know if that's God talking, if that's spirit calling, if that's the angel telling me, just like telling Mary, or if it's just my own desire to feel fancy, <laughs> you know? How do I know? Good question, and I'm glad you've asked it. Here's the test. You ready? You know a mystical experience 
because a mystical experience always asks something of you. A mystical experience always asks something of you. If your moment tells you don't do anything, don't learn, don't grow, that ain't God talking. That ain't life talking. That's ego talking. If it's God talking, if it's spirit calling you, it says, okay, it's time to grow. Put on your shoes. We're at grandma's house. It's time to do something. Pick up a hammer, you know, to mix my metaphors. That's how you know it's mystical. It asks something of you. Let's be the kind of people who just like Mary can say, all right, here I am. Let's do this. And I'm not holding still for it. Because here's the thing. If God is everywhere, that moment is happening. Every moment. Look, I know that things may not have gone the way you expected. This has been a heck of a year for all of us. I know that your life story might be one that has some heartache in it. Mine too. And in fact, everybody's. And I'm sorry about that, but it is something to be proud of too. Because you're not there in that sad place anymore. And if you're in a sad place now, a different one, you can go. We'll find a way. Reach out. But what I need you to know is no matter what kind of bumps and, and ruts in the road your life has taken, you're here and you're smart enough to know it. You got through a never-ending series of miracles to get where you are now. Big and small, it's the only way. So what I'm trying to say is because you're here, that means that God has found favor with you. Think of it. Just like that moment with the angel. Now, here's the thing I want to point out. The angel didn't ask Mary anything. The angel didn't say, Mary, is this okay with you? We got an idea. We want to run it by you, see what you think. Let's brainstorm this. Let's workshop it. No, the angel said, here's the deal. Got the clipboard. Uh, you're going to have a kid named Jesus. Going to change the world. Enjoy that. You know it's a mystical experience when it asks something of you. What I'm trying to tell you is that your growth is not optional. Your healing is not optional. Your miracle is not optional. The only option you have is easy way or hard way. Fear or hope. You get to decide that part. And I hope for you, and I hope with you, that you will let yourself show up for this miracle that is happening right now. There is something that is calling you right now, and all you got to do is say yes and take the first step, and God will make the rest of your journey clear because the unstoppable love of God prepares the way. Are you ready? You can be because you're free. And after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Ah, thank you very much for sharing this time with me. Oh, it's so much fun to, to get to do this. I, I really love hearing from you and all of the things that, that we get back in the comments on YouTube uh, along that side. If you're watching this live, please make a comment, check in, say hi, and please, please, please click that share button. It means a lot. When people share these messages, well, they get shared. They get out there in the world, and we need that to happen. So thank you for your love and your support and all your kind messages.
Once again, I want to remind you, send in a picture of your light, whether it's you lighting a candle or just your candle, you lighting a tree or just your tree, you turning on the lights in front of your house or just the lights in front of your house. Send in a few pictures if you feel led to do that. Talk to me if you want some clarification on how to do that. You know where to find me, but do it today. And as always, we're counting on you to help support this ministry as we find our way moving forward into the coming year. You can do that by going to donate.waterandstonechurch.com. Let's take those gifts of love and substance in our minds and in our hearts and speak the word together. God is my source, my unending supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy. And so it is and so it does. Amen. Now I want to remind you as we look at Christmas coming just around the corner that wherever you are, you're not alone. There's lots of ways to reach out and I encourage you to do just that. I want to hear from you. Lots of people in this church family would like to share a Christmas moment with you in whatever way we can. But in the meantime, I want you to remember that you're not alone because we pray as a family. Let's share our dedication prayer. God, I'm ready for change. My heart is open. I'm not afraid anymore. My life is in peace and on purpose, now and always. Amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.